Order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Karen Lumley. Number one, Mr Speaker. Thank you, Mr Speaker. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Karen Lumley. Friend confirmed that while he's Prime Minister of this country, condemning terrorist attacks will not be a bar to holding high office. What I would say to my honourable friend is that condemning terrorist attacks is an essential component of aspiring to high office in this country, and that should be the case whether you're a shadow minister or a minister of the Crown. And it is just worth recalling what it is that the member of Wolverhampton South East said. He said this. Terrorists are entirely responsible for their own actions. No one forces anyone to kill innocent people in Paris, blow up the London Underground, behead innocent aid workers in Syria. He was absolutely right to say that. And frankly, I think it speaks volumes that he can't sit in the shadow cabinet with the Leader of the Opposition. Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I would like to thank the firefighters, mountain rescue services, police, armed services, engineers and workers of the Environment Agency and local government workers for the, and all the volunteers for all the work they did in keeping safe thousands of people from the floods that have affected this country. In January 2014, following the devastating floods at that time, now two years ago, the Prime Minister said, and I quote, there are always lessons to be learned and I will make sure they are learned. Were they? Prime Minister. Well, first of all, let me join the Leader of the Opposition in thanking the emergency services, the police, the fire service, also the search and rescue teams who went from around the country to areas that were flooded. Can I thank the military for all the work that they did? And as he says, what we saw was communities coming together and volunteers carrying out extraordinary work. Now, let me deal directly with this issue of lessons learned, because having seen my own constituency very badly flooded in 2007, having had floods while as, as being Prime Minister, I think a number of lessons have been learnt. This time, the military came in far faster than ever before. The Bellwind scheme was funded at 100%, not 85%. More money was got to communities more quickly. So a lot of lessons have been learnt. Are there more to learn? I'm sure there are. There always are, and that is why we'll review everything that's been done. But let's be clear, as we do that, that we will make money available because we have a strong economy to build flood resilience in our country. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In 2011, a £190 million flood defence project in the River Eyre in Leeds was cancelled on cost grounds by the Government. A thousand homes and businesses in Leeds were flooded in recent weeks. The Government is still only committed to a scaled-down version of the project worth a fraction of its total cost, when the Prime Minister claimed that money was no object when it came to flood relief. When he meets the Leeds MPs and Judith Blake, the leader of Leeds Council in the near future, or his Secretary of State does, will he guarantee the full scheme will go ahead to protect Leeds from future flooding? 
Well, first of all, let, let me just make one point before, before answering in detail his points. It is worth putting on record, before we get on to flood defence investment, and I'll cover it in full, this was the wettest December for over 100 years, and actually in Leeds and in Yorkshire it was the wettest December ever on record, and that's why rivers, rivers in Yorkshire, including the air in Leeds, was a metre higher than it's ever been in its history. Now, in terms of flood defences, no flood defence schemes have been cancelled since 2010. The investment in flood defences was $1.5 billion in the last Labour government, $1.7 billion in the government I led as a coalition government, and will be over $2 billion in this parliament. It has gone up and up and up. And it's gone up because we run an economy where we're able to invest in the things that our country needs. And one more point. Let us not forget this. We inherited the darling plan for our economy. That was a plan for a 50% cut in capital spending, and DEFRA was not a protected department. Well, we protected that flood spending, and we increased it, something Labour wouldn't have done. Mr. Mr Speaker, of course the rainfall was excessive, of course the river levels were high, but the Prime Minister has still not answered the question on the Leeds Flood Protection Scheme. I give you an opportunity to do in a moment. In 2014, Cumbria County Council applied for funding for new schemes in Keswick and Kendal. Both were turned down. Both areas flooded again in the last few weeks. Does the Prime Minister believe that turning down those schemes was also a mistake? We are spending more on flood defence schemes and are stacking up a whole series of schemes that we'll spend more on. But let me make this point to him. If he is going to spend ten billions of pounds on renationalising our railways, where's he going to find the money for flood defences? The idea, the idea that this individual would be faster in responding to floods when it takes him three days to carry out a reshuffle is frankly laughable. Mr Speaker, since I walked into the chamber this morning, his shadow foreign minister resigned, his shadow defence minister resigned, he couldn't run anything. Mr Speaker, it's very strange that when I've asked a question about Leeds flood defence, then on Cumbria flood defence, the Prime Minister still seems unable to answer. Can he now tell us if there is going to be funding for those schemes? In October, Professor Colin Mellors, the head of the Yorkshire Regional Flood and Coastal Committee, warned the government about funding cuts to, uh, the, to f- flood defences in Yorkshire being formally discontinued in the future. Would that also be a mistake? Can the Prime Minister now tell us, is he going to reverse the cuts in the defences that have taken place to make sure that those cities and areas are protected in the next round of floods, which will no doubt come? As I told you, we have increased and continue to increase the spending on flood defences. We're spending more in this Parliament, and for the first time it is a six-year spending perspective, which is £2.3 billion extra on flood defences, money that wouldn't be available if we trashed the economy in the way that he proposes. Now, of course, after every incident of flooding, you go back and you look at what you've spent, what you've built, you look at what you're planning to 
spend, what you're planning to build, and you see what more can be done. But the head of the Environment Agency was absolutely clear that he had the money necessary to take the action that was necessary. But we can only do that with a strong economy, an economy that is growing, where more people are in work, more people are paying taxes. We've got the strength to solve this problem of floods, and we will do it in a proper way. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister hasn't answered on Leeds, he hasn't answered on Cumbria, he hasn't answered on the warning from Professor Mellors. Like, like him, last week I met people in York who had been affected by flooding. And I met a young couple, Chris and Victoria, whose home had been flooded over Christmas. It wasn't very funny for them. This, uh, this young couple lost many of their processions photos, children, toys, schoolwork, and they've got the foul stench of flood water in their homes, as many families have all over this country. They are asking all of us wholly legitimate questions. Why was it that the insufficient pump capacity of the Foss Barrier, again alerted to in 2013 by a government report, was not dealt with and those pumps were not upgraded. Thus, people were flooded in York and their possessions and homes severely damaged. Those people want answers from all of us, and in particular from the Prime Minister. I have the greatest sympathy with anyone that's been flooded, and we have, to, we have to do what it takes to get people and get to communities back on their feet. And that is why we put record sums in more quickly to help communities in Cumbria, in Lancashire, and now in Yorkshire, and we'll continue to do that. Specifically on the question of the FOSS pumps, that was about to be tendered for extra investment, and that investment will now go ahead because the money is there. So what I'd say to him, we're putting in the money, we're putting it in more quickly, the military got involved more quickly, and to that couple who got flooded, we're also doing something that previous governments have talked about but never achieved, which is to have an insurance scheme so every single household in our country can get insured. Flood re. Now, that's not been done before. So have lessons been learnt? Yes, they have. Are there more lessons to learn? There always are. But frankly, we don't need a lecture from Malta from the Honourable Gentleman. Mr Speaker, the reality is that flood defence scheme after flood defence scheme has been cancelled, postponed or cut. Many more, homes, many more homes have been flooded and too many lessons have been ignored. Why, why can't the Prime Minister support our calls for a coordinated cross-party approach to flooding that looks at everything, that looks at everything including upland management to making people's homes more flood resilient and uh, more protection schemes properly funded. Does the Prime Minister agree, at least with this, that the Fire and Rescue Service, who have done such a great job over the last few weeks in all parts of this country, should now be given a statutory duty to deal with floods to help us through any crisis that might occur in the future? Well, I think, Mr Speaker, the best I can say is when he's worked out how to coordinate his own party, then perhaps he could come and, uh, come and have a word with me. On the issue of a statutory duty, 
Everybody knows what they have to do when floods take place. That's why there was such a magnificent response from the emergency services, from the fire services, from the emergency rescue services. They have our backing to do the vital work. And yes, we'll go on investing in flood defences. We'll increase the money we're spending on flood defences because we've got a strong economy and a strong country that can back the action that's needed. Mr Speaker, 2016 sees us mark the 400th anniversary of William Shakespeare's passing away. Does my uh, right honourable friend agree with me that our country should unite to commemorate his works? There are special events at the RSC. The Shakespeare Birthplace Trust are renovating the site of his home, New Place, and King Edward's School are opening his original classroom. Can I invite my right honourable friend, the whole House and the world, to come and celebrate the greatest living father? My apologies for almost interrupting his soliloquy. I'm very sorry about that. I think it is a very good moment, the 400th anniversary of the death of Shakespeare, uh, for us to celebrate everything that he's given to our language and to our culture and indeed to the world. And I think it's going to be a fantastic moment for people to come and visit Britain and come and see uh, Stratford and all the other uh, places that have such a great association with Shakespeare. I find that Shakespeare provides language for every moment. I mean, just consider what we're thinking about at the moment. There was a moment when it looked like this reshuffle could go into its twelfth night. Yes. It it was a revenge reshuffle, so it was going to be as you like it. I think, though, we can conclude it's turned into something of a comedy of errors, perhaps much ado about nothing. There will be those who worry. Love's labour's lost. for the warm welcome. Uh, Mr Speaker, the health service uh, is devolved, but junior doctors in Scotland are not planning to strike next week. Why does the Prime Minister think that the Scottish Government has good relations with junior doctors and his Government doesn't? Prime Minister! And now for the Scottish play. Um, I think he raises an important question. We have taken a different approach to the Government in Scotland. We've increased spending on the NHS by more than the Government in Scotland, which I think is the right approach. But we are determined to deal with this issue of having a genuine seven-day NHS. Everybody knows. Doctors know it. Patients know it. The management of the NHS knows it. The BMA knows it, that there is a problem with the NHS at the weekend. And one of the ways to correct that is making sure we have new contracts, including with junior doctors, to make sure not that they work longer hours. In fact, under our plans, many will much work lo- much less hours. Not to reduce doctors' pay. No one who works legal hours will see a cut in their pay. Indeed, 75% of doctors will see a pay rise. So we think this is a good deal for a good advance in the NHS, and I'm sure in Scotland they'll be looking at it too. Angus Robertson. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. The Scottish Government has been investing record levels of funding in the NHS in Scotland and also works very hard to have the best possible relations with the doctors and nurses and all of the NHS staff. Will the English Health Secretary speak to his Scottish colleague Shona Robertson 
to learn how to resolve the situation in England and stave off strike action, which no one wants to see, least of all junior doctors. Minister. There should always be good relations and good discussions between uh, the Health Secretary in the United Kingdom Government and Health Ministers in the devolved administrations. Obviously, one thing we think is important when we make a decision to increase funding in the NHS, as we have done, £19 billion more in this Parliament, that has consequences for Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland under the Barnet formula. And of course, I find it very depressing that the Welsh, has de- Welsh have decided under Labour to spend less than we're planning to spend, and Scotland has done the same thing. Chris Green. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The local economy in my constituency, Bolton West, continues to strengthen with uh, great businesses such as Eventura and uh, Laborate uh, both relocating and growing in West Horton. We're also seeing uh, heritage uh, trading frames investing a million pounds in equipping a new factory in Lostock and Trojan Utilities, uh, winning new contracts, winning new contracts and recruiting more staff in uh, Horwich. Will the Prime Minister agree with me that the Northern Powerhouse isn't just about our great northern cities, it's also about our great northern towns? Uh, My honourable friend is is absolutely right, and it's instructive that members opposite don't want to hear good news about businesses and jobs and investment that are happening in our economy. I think sometimes it can sound as if the plan for a northern powerhouse is all about the cities of the north of England. Our view is that by linking up the cities, you also help the towns in the northwest and across our country. You also help the rural areas because you're rebalancing our economy and increasing opportunity in the north of our country. Anna Turley. Thank you, Mr. In 2014, in response to the flooding of the Thames Valley, the Prime Minister said that money would be no object. In the light of his cuts to the flood defences, his cuts to the Fire and Rescue Service, his cuts to the Environment Agency, can he say the same to the people of Leeds, of Rochdale, of York, of Whitby and of Teesside, or is it one rule for his constituents and another for ours in the North? Well, she's completely wrong about the funding figures, as I've explained in great detail. 1.5 billion to 1.7 billion to 2 billion. But the point is, what we put in place under this government is not funding under Belwyn of 85% of what a council spends, but funding of 100%. So what I said absolutely stands good. Simon Hart. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The PM has always been a staunch supporter of the uh, uh, Welsh TV channel uh, S4C set up under the Thatcher government. So, could he use this opportunity to reinforce his support for the channel and the commitment we've made to safeguarding its funding? Yeah. Prime Minister. Well, I'm very happy to do that. S4C is a very important part of our broadcasting structure. It's very popular and, and well liked in Wales. And I want to make sure we meet both the, the, uh, the wording and the spirit of our manifesto promise to make sure this continues to be a very strong channel. I've effort. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. With home ownership down to its lowest level in a generation, down every year since he became Prime Minister, why did Tory MPs vote against Labour's amendment to the housing bill last <coughs> night, which would have protected the publicly funded discount for new starter homes for future buyers? Isn't that better value for money for first-time buyers and for the taxpayer? Yes or no? Yeah. 
Well, the proposal for starter homes is a Conservative Party proposal put into our manifesto, opposed throughout by the Labour Party. This is only happening because we won a majority and put a housing bill through this House of Commons. We are taking every step we can to help more people get on the housing ladder. So in London, uh, where he represents, we're seeing Help to Buy now funding 40% of the home people want to buy rather than 20%. We're going to see 200,000 starter homes built during this Parliament. Because we're managing our economy properly, interest rates are low, so it's now easier for people to get a mortgage. And with our Help to Save scheme, there's now every opportunity for people to put aside money to help them with their deposit. We are absolutely on the side of the homeowner, but above all, those people who want to get on the housing ladder. We're helping with jobs, helping with tax cuts, helping with help to buy, helping with help to save, and crucially, helping by building more homes. Seema Kennedy. Thank you. On Boxing Day, the village of Croston in my constituency suffered the worst floods in living memory, with damage to scores of homes and businesses. Will my right honourable friend join with me in praising the efforts of everybody in Croston who pulled together to protect their community? And will he ask his honourable friend, the member for Penrith and the Border, to review the decision by the Environment Agency to switch off the pumps at Old Crossons? Well, certainly, first of all, let me pay tribute to her constituents who worked round the clock to help each other in what were appalling floods with this incredibly high level of, of rainfall. Uh, and let me join with her in thanking the emergency services again for all the work they did. After floods like this, there are always questions about which pumps were used, which floodgates were open, what decisions were made uh, by the experts on the ground. And it's very important. Having, having seen many communities flooded in my own constituents, it's very important to hold meetings with community after community to go through those decisions and work out what lessons can be learned and work out whether the right decisions were made. I absolutely pledge uh, that that should be done. We have announced £40 million uh, for the work uh, across Lancashire and Cumbria uh, for uh, helping people out, and we'll make sure that the flood alleviation money for households and for businesses, the schemes that we set up after 2013, that the money is paid out as quickly as it can. Lucas. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. In light of last month's Paris Climate Agreement, at which all countries agreed to progressively increase their ambition and to keep global warming well below two degrees, does the Prime Minister agree that we must now urgently begin the process of strengthening the EU's 2030 greenhouse gas target reduction target to 50 per cent below 1990 levels at the very least, a position which he argued for, I'm glad to say, at the European Council? First of all, let me join her in once again recognising that Paris was a big step forward, a very big step forward, because previous agreements, like at Kyoto, didn't include action by China or action by America, and now you've got all the big countries, all the big emitters as part of the deal. We did argue that the EU was, should go further. Uh, we achieved, I think, a very aggressive package for the EU, but that was the best that we could do in the circumstances. I think the EU agreement helped to bring about the general agreement, and no one should be in any doubt that Britain is playing a very major role in bringing that about. Let me give you one statistic, because I know there's a great interest in this House about solar panels. I asked the question the other day, what percentage of solar panels have been installed in Britain uh, since this government took office in 2010, expecting the answer might be 50% or 60%. The answer is 98%. Ben Howlett. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. 
Yesterday it was announced that the Fox Hill housing zone in Bath would receive £313,000 of government funding to help kickstart work to build thousands of new homes in the city. Would the Prime Minister agree with me that this funding will help to reverse the lack of house building under the party opposite and enable struggling families to get onto the property ladder? I'm delighted to hear about the development in his constituency. The fact is we built 700,000 houses since this government came to office in 2010, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. Sometimes it is specific bits of transport infrastructure or specific planning permissions or disagreements between district councils and county councils that need to be uh, sorted out. But we shouldn't forget the fact that the developers and house builders will only go ahead with house building if they believe it's a benign economic environment with a strong and growing economy and stable interest rates and all the things that we need. That is the key to the success in housing. Kevin Brennan. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister promised to cut the number of government special advisers and the Chancellor wants to limit pay increases to public sector employees to 1%. So how does he possibly square that with now having 26 more special advisers than in 2010 and a 42% pay increase for the Chancellor's own personal image consultant? There are fewer special advisers under this government than there was under the last government. Stuart Jackson. Will will my right honourable friend agree with me that it's more than a matter of regret that the new Shadow Defence Secretary has seen fit to take a donation from the immoral, thieving and... Uh, ambulance-chasing lawyers Lee Day, who, together with public interest lawyers, specialise specialise in hounding our brave service personnel in Iraq with spurious claims. Absolutely right. Uh, is it time that we removed the latter from the pernicious clutches of the Human Rights Act and honoured our manifesto commitment for a British Bill of Rights? Taking his questions in in turn, yes, we should honour our commitment for a British Bill of Rights, and I look forward to making progress on that. I do think that this uh, organisation, Lee Day, does have some questions to answer, not least because they were deeply involved in the Al-Swedi inquiry, where a whole lot of claims completely fell apart, and there was, it seems, evidence that could have shown that those claims were false. And I do think it is instructive that we have lost a shadow Secretary of State for Defence who believed in strong defence, who believed in our nuclear deterrent, and instead we've got someone, apparently, who takes funds from Lee Day. I think that leaves us with serious questions to answer. And, Mr Speaker, frankly, it goes to a bigger truth, which is one day this reshuffle, I suppose, will be over, uh, and we will be left with a collection of politicians, be no doubt about this, who have signed up to unilateral nuclear disarmament, who have signed up to racking up taxes, debt and spending, and one of the left-wing programmes in living memory. This is a collective act they would have taken part in. We should not be asking, is the Leader of the Opposition happy to have the member of Leeds Central? We know he's not. The question is, what on earth is the member of Leeds Central and others doing in this Labour Party government? Maybe a word that there's also a Shakespeare connection to Knowsley, where Midsummer Night Dream, for example, was written amongst other plays. I wonder whether he will lend his support to the proposal for a Shakespeare of the North, which will complete the triangle of the Globe Theatre, Stratford on Avon, and Knowsley as a celebration of the work of Shakespeare. Yeah. 
I think this sounds like an excellent proposal. Uh, we shouldn't try and constrain Shakespeare to Stratford. We should be making sure this is a national, indeed, and international uh, celebration. So I'll look carefully at the proposal he makes. Maggie Throop. In Derbyshire, the County Council have announced plans to cut four care homes, including the Hillcrest in my constituency, as well as axing sheltered housing wardens from March. This is clearly an attack on the elderly and vulnerable of Derbyshire by an authority with a proven track record of wasting taxpayers' money. Will my right humble friend look into this dismal situation to ensure all Derbyshire residents have access to good levels of care? Prime Minister. I'm very happy to look at the problem and the issue that my honourable friend raises. Obviously, this is a a Labour-controlled council taking these decisions. What I would urge them to do is look at the proposals that we made in the spending review, look at the fact that councils are now able to use a surcharge on the council tax to fund additional social care, and then recognise that their job, instead of playing politics, should be serving local people. Vivi Abrahams. Last year, the IMF warned income inequalities is the most defining challenge of our time, is getting worse and slows economic growth. By last night, FTSE 100 chief executives will have been paid more for five days' work than the average UK worker will be paid for the whole of 2016, getting a pay rise of nearly 50% last year, while the average worker had a pay rise of less than 2%. So will the Prime Minister support the High Pay Centre's recommendations for organisations to publish data on the ratio of the the top pay to average pay? Well, I'm a great supporter of transparency in these things, as we've proved uh, in the government. But let's be clear, since I've become Prime Minister, income equality has actually fallen, whereas it went up under Labour. Those are the facts. One of the biggest things we're doing to help with income inequality is for the first time ever to bring in a national living wage. This is the year that we're going to see people paying no tax until they've earned £11,000. This is the year we're going to see a national living wage at £7.20. Those are big advances in helping the low-paid in our country. Nigel Evans. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'd like to pay tribute as well to the countless numbers of people and organisations who helped out uh, during the recent floods. Um, Yesterday, I spoke with uh, the chairman of the new insurance scheme, Flood Re, and I know that uh, people who have been hammered by the floods will welcome the fact that their premiums uh, will be uh, quashed and that they won't meet eye-watering excesses. But he told me that it's not going to cover any houses built since 2009, and it will not cover businesses either. Will the Prime Minister look again at the scheme to ensure that it is properly comprehensive? We are looking very carefully at this scheme, particularly on the issue of the the businesses. What we've heard so far is a number of anecdotal stories about small businesses saying it's going to be very difficult to get insurance. Meanwhile, the insurance companies are telling us they won't turn down any small businesses, so we need to get to the bottom of this. Uh, Absolutely key before we get the final introduction of Floodry in April this year. Mike Kane. Thank you, Mr Speaker. It was good to welcome the Prime Minister and His Excellency the President of China to Manchester Airport in my constituency recently to talk about investments. But what's in the North's interest and the nation's interest is extra runway capacity in the South East. Why does the Prime Minister continue to procrastinate? Yeah. 
Minister. Well, first of all, can I thank him and, and everyone in uh, Greater Manchester who helped to welcome President Xi uh, at the excellent um, uh, lunch that was held in, in, in Manchester and then the very good visit to Manchester Airport. The point I, I would make in response to his question is that the Environmental Audit Committee of this House uh, and indeed the author of the uh, original uh, report, Howard Davis, has both said that the problems of air quality do raise new questions that the government has to answer. I'm in favour of answering those questions and then making a decision. Order. Two years ago, I think tomorrow, the House lost a superb parliamentarian and much-loved colleague in all parts of the House, the Honourable Gentleman's predecessor, Paul Goggins. We remember him with affection and respect, and we also remember and think fondly of his widow, Wynne, and their children. Matthew, Teresa and Dominic, who are all wonderful human beings, and we wish them well for the future. Philip Davis. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, As the Prime Minister knows, my constituency was decimated by the recent floods. It was reported in the Bradford Telegraph and Argus earlier this week that the Bradford district would not receive any of the extra funding the Prime Minister announced for Yorkshire for flood defences. Will he take this opportunity to confirm that that isn't the case? that whatever money is necessary to protect my constituency from future flooding will be spent, and if he's struggling to find the money, perhaps he could use money from the overseas aid budget, because I'm sure he believes that victims of flooding in Shipley uh, should not be discriminated against in terms of victims of flooding in other parts of the world. Let me say to my honourable friend, we will do what it takes to make sure that families and communities and businesses can get back on their feet. That's why we've invested record sums more quickly into the areas that have been affected. We've learnt the lessons of previous floods, where sometimes the schemes have been too bureaucratic, too much time has been taken. So whether it is building new bridges, whether it's repairing roads, whether it's building the flood defences, whether it's examining where the water went this time and what more can be done, we will make sure that work is carried out in Bradford as everywhere else. Jim Dowd. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Is the Prime Minister aware of the valuable work of the National Wildlife Crime Unit in uh, not just enforcing the law but in promoting animal welfare and part of the international effort against the trade in endangered species? Is he further aware that the funding for it expires in just a couple of months' time and DEFRA and the Home Office have yet to make a decision to continue it. Can I ask him to prevail upon his right honourable friends to ensure that this extremely important and valuable work is continued? Uh, My understanding is that we have kept the funding for this organisation. It does important work both uh, domestically and in terms of overseas. I'll look very carefully at what he uh, suggests. I think there is a decision still to be made about the future, but up to now we back this organisation very fully. Simon Hoare. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, my right honourable friend knows that the legacy of thalidomide still hangs over over 500 people in our country today. In the last Parliament, Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister signalled very strong support to get a fair and just solution to their problems. Can I invite my right honourable friend in this Parliament to renew that pledge and to work with the all-party group to ensure a just outcome? Prime Minister. I'm very happy to to make that clear. In the last Parliament, I met with some of my own constituents who have been affected uh, by thalidomide, and they had a number of things they wanted parliamentarians to do, and I think a lot of people got behind their campaign, uh, and I'm happy to continue to work with them in this Parliament. Order. 